We are taking command. Episode 11 of the Heat Wave. We are going to be going over the commanders. And with all these stats that we're going to be giving you, we're getting it from the Fantasy Football by Brodo app. This is basically what happened. We were like, hey, we should make an app with all the tools you need to be a fantasy expert. And then we were like, hey, sounds like a great idea. And then we were like, hey, let's do it. And then we we're like, hey, do you know what we should do too? We should give it out for free. And we are like, hey, sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. So go get it. There's really nothing else to say. And the reason why it's free is because of the people at patreon.com slash brotofantasy who support the show. Join now for as little as $3 a month and you get access to the Discord, which you, you have access to all of us 24-7 and the writers. Um, extra episodes during the season. Very, very, very important. Broto Leagues, always a good time. Uh, direct fantasy consultations. I haven't even mentioned that one yet. Uh, and tons, tons more. Prizes, things of that nature. Uh, I really can't say everything we offer right here. Go check it out. The fantasy, uh, the, uh, Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. So let's get started. The heat wave continues now. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Let's get it. The Washington Commanders, an interesting team, that is for sure. Let's get right into it. Uh, the Washington Commanders offensive outlook. Again, why we're going to the offensive outlook, very important to mention, because you cannot know what an offense is going to look like without knowing the people who are moving pieces around the chessboard. And this year is going to be an interesting year for this team because they brought in a new high-powered offensive coordinator. Their head coach is the same. 27th year in the NFL, fourth Tim. year. Hello, what? we're here too. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoops. Michael's here. Matt's here. Let's continue with the offensive oh. outlook. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, last year, fourth year as a commander's head coach. 8-8-1 eight, eight, record. That was fourth in the NFC East. We know exactly what you're going to get with a Ron Rivera offense. A near dead even split of runs. Lots of pass passing with play action. What we don't know is how Eric Bieniemy, the new offensive coordinator, longtime offensive coordinator, and the bridesmaid of the NFL, uh, Eric Bieniemy, moves over to get out of the shadow of Andy Reid. He's the offensive coordinator now for the Washington Commanders. This is his 25th season of NFL experience, first with Washington. Um, prior to being named offensive coordinator, he was the running backs coach for the Chiefs, so leaving an organization he's been with for the last nine years. In 2022, obviously the Chiefs' offense was fantastic. The la last year doesn't really matter because different offensive coordinator, but 24th in points, 26th in passing percentage, and 10th in running percentage, almost 50-50. Big offensive addition was quarterback Jacoby Brissett, but we don't even know if he's going to play because they're looking at Sam Howell as the quarterback right now. Offensive tackle Andrew Wiley as well. Offensive guard Nick Gates. Offensive tackle Trent Scott. They are bolstering that offensive line. And rookie running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. On the subtraction side, this might be an addition by subtraction kind of situation. Carson Wentz at QB. Taylor Heineke also signed a big deal to be the backup in, in uh, Atlanta. After being absolutely disrespected for years in a row with Washington, if I must say so myself, uh, J.D. McKissick starts at running back. Uh, I mean, is leaving at running back, excuse me. And their center, who goes to the Jets, 
uh, as well. All right. So the quarterback situation, this is where it starts and ends with Washington, in my opinion. So Sam Howell, are we buying in? What's the deal? Obviously, I think you're not, you know, drafting him to be your fantasy starter unless you're in a two quarterback league where you kind of maybe consider it. Uh, how are you feeling about Sam Howell and his ability to lead this offense? I don't like Sam Howell. Okay. Like, I've never liked Sam Howell. I didn't. Sam Howell was supposed to be the QB one of his class. I thought he was a absolutely like mediocre freshman. He turned into a mediocre sophomore and then finished off by being a mediocre junior. And then he flashed some of that rushing upside as a junior, obviously because Javante Williams and Michael Carter were now in the NFL. So you lose two NFL drafted running backs. You might have to rush a little bit more, but it's not like he has elite speed, even elite processing as a rusher, a la Jalen Hurts or Lamar Jackson, where he can survive off of a lot of, like run designs for quarterbacks. It's going to come from scrambling, but you did see that upside get flashed in the very last game of the season. His only start um, week 18, obviously it was a meaningless start against the Cowboys who essentially had their position locked for the playoffs. He completed 11 of 19 pass attempts for 169 yards, one touchdown, one interception, but managed a QB seven finish. And obviously what was a lost week for most fantasy players. Anyway, you don't usually play into week um, 18, but 19.1 fantasy points, 35 rushing yards, rushing touchdown in his only start. I think his fantasy ceiling is similar to like, a younger Daniel Jones, even a Daniel Jones pre Brian Dayball, a Daniel Jones that nobody wanted to invest in that nobody could get dynasty return on. That was constantly a one or two week streamer and redraft leagues. And that's kind of where I think Sam Howell's ceiling is. He's going to be a fringe inconsistent passer. He has fringe inconsistent passing metrics, serviceable point per game average though, because he's going to have massive peaks and very low values valleys um, in the rushing department. Help from a highly experienced offensive coordinator and a young, strong wide receiver core, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel still mixing in. That should help Howell maintain some relevance as an NFL quarterback, but I think he's going to be relegated to even a streamer in two QB redraft leagues. I think the the question is, uh, we don't have to talk about Sam Howell anymore as a starting quarterback for your fantasy team. Like That's not going to happen. I think the question is, can he support the two studs that he has on the outside? And that's Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. I think that is the question. And so let's get into these wide receivers. The, both of these guys are obviously a talented duo that has fantasy potential and real life potential. There's an argument that this is one of, I'm not going to say the most, I'm not going to say the best because they're obviously not, but one of the best duos of wide receivers in the league. In Sam Howell's only start last season, like Matt said, he completed 11 passes. Of those 11 passes, six went to McLaurin, which was a passing touchdown, and four went to Dotson. So out of the 11 passes he completed, 10 of them went to those outside wide receivers. I don't know what that says, but I think it's a little bit of a good sign, uh, a little bit. You know, it's better than he threw it to the tight end 15 times, uh, right? Now, here's one thing we know for sure, though. Let's, let's focus first on Terry McLaurin because Terry McLaurin is a – Great player. He's a very good player. I, I think let me let me let me separate those two. He's not a great player. He's a very good player. And I think what separates great and very good is if you're QB proof, right? You saw DeAndre Hopkins year after year be a fantasy stud, even when he had guys like Brandon Whedon throwing to him, right? And completely, you know, Tyler Yates, like completely guys who had no business being on NFL field. He was still great. 
That was not the case with Terry McLaurin. Last year with Carson Wentz at QB for the first six games, he only had one wide receiver two finish or better, and he was exactly wide receiver 24 in that finish. So extremely, extremely disappointing. I don't know if you guys remember this too. Like there was, you know, the the NFL media and, you know, they have to have a whole week of talking points, but there was a point where it was like, should Terry McLaurin be released from your fantasy team? Or is Terry McLaurin one of the more overrated receivers in the game? Or is Terry McLaurin? There was the, this this momentum around Terry McLaurin's a fake, right? And then they switched over to Tyler Haneke and, of course, Sam Howell in that last game for 11 games. He went on to have six games as a wide receiver, two or better in that time stretch, including three as a wide receiver, one. So obviously a a phenomenal leap in fantasy production in those games, but still nothing to write home about. And I think that you're taking McLaurin right now in a, excuse me, in a area where you can get some better wide receivers. So I'm hesitant. Jahan Dotson on the other side. I'm not drafting any Jahan Dotson on my team. And I that, look, I know Matt might kill me for this one. But I don't even see his name on draft boards. I swear to God, he's like invisible. And it's because I don't want the number two option for Sam Howell. Like, I don't want that anywhere near my fantasy team. Could I be wrong? Could Sam Howell be the next Russell Wilson? Sure. I could be wrong about that. He could be. In case he's not, you know, in case he's not, I don't want Jahan Dotson anywhere on my team. On the other hand, if Jacoby Brissett starts, Chloe Brissett's a little interesting because he had the best year of his career last season in 11 starts before, you know, Deshaun Watson came back. In his 11 starts, Amari Cooper was a wide receiver one five times, a wide receiver two, a two, two times, so wide receiver two or better seven times in 11 starts. And he only, and he bust, he did bust four times, but those are road games. Awesome. Remember last That's what she year. said. Yep. <laughs> if you remember last year, Amari Cooper on the road was impossible. And then you have Donovan Peoples-Jones on the other side. Six usable weeks during that span between wide receiver 14 and 34. So, obviously, I like both of those guys a little bit more if Brissett gets an out over Howell. Both of these guys, though, I'm avoiding. Um, unless I can get them at a really, really great price. Unless I can get, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 20 or better, uh, or 20 or worse, depending on how you're looking at it. Um I'm not even looking at him. I'm not even touching Jahan Dotson. And I know I'm not, that's not anything against Jahan Dotson's talent. Right. But I'm not touching him. And, you know, you have Curtis Samuel on team as well. I'd be remiss not to mention Curtis Samuel. He's a dart throw. Hope he stays healthy. He's like the perpetual sleeper, Curtis Samuel. Talented, but the situation and the injury history are just not in his favor. So I'm, I'm, for me personally, I'm avoiding these Washington receivers do you guys feel differently about any of these guys yeah i think you're i think you're disrespecting terry mclaurin a little bit like he's currently going at wide receiver 23 on underdogs yep. so and I, in a similar range on ffpc like i'm see, definitely drafting and i'm like looking that. i'm looking at expert consensus ranking which i think is just like because it is early in the off season and because we still not in the off season in 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 camp and all that stuff like we don't have a lot to look at in terms of knowing what sam howell is capable of I do lean on expert consensus rankings a little bit more than current ADPs. I've got him at 51 overall, and that's wide receiver 22. So a little higher there. So, I mean, in that range, okay. All right, fine. Fine. But if I'm going into the season as my, as Terry McLaurin as my wide receiver two, I'm nervous. If I'm going into the season as him as my wide receiver three, 
I'm ecstatic. He's kind of in that range for me. Yeah, well, I mean that that's kind of the almost the prices that you're paying, especially with although, you know, that that wide receiver 24 overall is is kind of a misnomer in a sense when you see how high wide receivers are being drafted because again, that's still 51st overall. You're still talking about a late fourth round draft pick. Right. Um Right, so it's it's tough. It's tough to take him there when you when you're looking at especially the running back dead zone this year, like you can get guys like Miles Josh Sanders, <laughs> you can get the guys like yeah, Jameer Gibbs, you can get guys like like facts. Man, like in a guy that we're going to be talking about maybe later, you can get him. You can get him later. You can you can get yeah. these guys in the fourth round, you know, and maybe they're a little better values. Um, with that being said, someone who could be a value. This is the time of year. Uh, this is I call this time of year Antonio Gibson hype time, where where Ron Rivera says something about him being the next Christian McCaffrey. Playing wide receiver now. <laughs> uh, so is every running back in the history of the fucking world. Get the fuck out of here. Every year. Every running back is playing receiver too. Suck it, Ron. All right, you're not going to trick us. Antonio Gibson really was a wide receiver in college, though. Yes, he was. Um, so, Michael, you're at the running backs here. Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson. How are you separating between these guys? How are you looking at these guys? Are you drafting these guys? What's your outlook? Yeah, another year, another hope that a Commanders running back will break out. It seems to be a yearly ritual at this point, and it's always Antonio Gibson. Like you said, Antonio Gibson is entering year four in the NFL, and he's averaged roughly 300 receiving yards on 40 receptions a year. If you told people that, I feel like people think he's averaging like 700 receiving yards and 70 receptions a year. The way they talk about his pass-catching prowess as if he has had like some monster pass-catching season or something, which he has not. This is who he is. And it looks like the 1,000 rushing yard season that he had in 2021 is going to be a bit of an outlier. He's ran for 795 as a rookie, just for 546. Last season, his most inefficient season to date. He ended 28th in points per game last year as well, averaging less than 12 points per game. With rough efficiency, rough advanced metrics, like nothing really stands out to say that Antonio Gibson is like some star in the making, even with Eric Bieniemy coming over. Eight of his 15 games are single-digit performances, which are basically useless for the most part he's going at rb32 98th overall an underdog 89th overall in ffpc like i i get the appeal there as like a dart throw but he's just going to be a whatever replaceable flex type of piece that you that he always is like he's not just going to have some random fifth uh, fourth year breakout this year you could draft players like Jordan Addison, Alvin Kamara, like in those ranges. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to take Antonio Gibson hoping for some breakout that every year has been just people like, come on, this is the year for Antonio Gibson. We saw it last year. We saw it the year prior. And then Brian Robinson, who's going at RB37 at the moment. As we all know, he was, you know, he was shot last season. Thankfully, he recovered and miraculously he returned to the field by week five, but he wasn't impressive on the field either. He was used as an early down bruiser with very limited pass catching upside. He never surpassed 53% of the snaps and produced just nine receptions in 12 total games. As expected, he was super TD dependent, but typically for guys like this, you want them volume dependent, not just touchdown dependent. Brian Robinson was not that. He was just simply touchdown dependent. You'll take a game with 20 carries and 110 rushing yards here and there from these early down running backs. But Brian Robinson was given 20 carries five times last year in 12 games, which is great. But he surpassed 100 rushing yards just one time in those games. Like to have four 20 plus carry games 
less than 100 rushing yards is gross. He had a single game in the top 24 running back uh, in the top 24 last year without a TD. Otherwise, he had just one touch, one top 15 uh, performance the entire season. And I know he's recovering from the, the gunshot and, you know, maybe he's healthier and more ready this year. But again, there's just nothing promising about this backfield when it's a two headed monster of Sam Howell at quarterback, even at their prices, RB two and RB 37. If you want to take a shot on them, like at that point in the draft, I'm not going to blame you, whatever, do it. I just, I don't see the upside. Do you know what's the worst part about the, the commander's backfield? It's just like, even last year, you just can't tell who it's going to be on a, on a daily basis, which is a, a very good wrinkle to have in your game plan as an NFL player. But we don't like that as fantasy players. Uh, on the app, we have game logs, and in the game logs, we, we're color-coded. So if you're a top 12 running back, it's green, then it's yellow, top 24, orange for top 36, and then red, anything under that. And the worst part about this is that it's just a rainbow of colors for Brian Robinson because his his production and his usage would never be the same week to week. Like let's Let, let me just read off in a row between week 5 and week 17 – where he finished all right real quick 64 18 29 64 34 15 38 5 21 29 40 30 so this is just a wildly inconsistent back who is a product of the system that he's in on top of that antonio gibson is taking all the pass catching work in terms of running backs jd mckissick leaving is maybe something to be happy about it for a season with yeah. an injury. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So yeah. it doesn't doesn't even exactly. like it. Yeah, this is it's very bleh. Um speaking of that, the tight end room on this team yeah. is something that has been fantasy viable in the past. Uh is there anyone who is going to be fantasy viable this year as we bid Michael a a, a do for now? I mean, I'm not really into the tight end room here at all. And I mean, ADP suggests that nobody should be. Uh, Logan Thomas is the starting tight end. He's the one with the highest ADP as well, soon to be 32 years old. One season removed from an Achilles tear as well. So coming off um, the season before and then didn't have an overly productive season in his first year back. We've never really seen anybody um, put it together after an Achilles tear and to have one at the age of 30 uh, is not necessarily a good thing. That's for sure. And you have the unknown potential of second year tight end Cole Turner. Sure. Who's supposed to be a high upside pass catching threat. He certainly showed out in Nevada that he can be one John Bates on the roster blocking specialist and Logan Thomas, 2.8 catches 4.4 targets, 31.9 yards per game last season and caught just one touchdown in 16 games played and with Jahan Dotson eating a bunch of red zone targets and eating a bunch of touchdowns with them. I think everybody on this roster at, or yeah, everybody on the commander's roster at tight end should just be completely ignored in dynasty and in redraft. Oof, the harsh words from Matt, but I can't disagree with you. Like, I, I guess Lance Thomas could maybe be a streamer every once in a while, Logan but Thomas. Logan Thomas, excuse me. I, I do that all the time. Michael gets so pissed at me, but Tim, like, you also, waiting for it. you also said Tyler Yates, the former Mets relief pitcher earlier, instead of TJ Yates. TJ Yates. <laughs> Yo, Tyler Yates threw like 94. And it was a heat back then, like it was 2004. Um, but, yeah, with that being said, uh, Matt, we do have a dynasty stash on this squad. Who you got? 
Well, I'm glad that Mike left him for me because Chris Rodriguez, and, and it's certainly a stash. You obviously have an established guy and Antonio, or a supposedly established guy, succinct role in Antonio Gibson, and then a, a, an older second year back. Like people forget, like with the COVID year, Brian Robinson spent like five years at Alabama and was stuck behind four years of Najee Harris and didn't even really break out as a fifth year senior. But Chris Rodriguez is a pretty impressive back, like former three star recruit. First team All-State, redshirted in his first year, so also a four-year senior. He's got a little bit of a longer tenure in, in college than you like to see, but he had incredible production at Kentucky and, and rushed for 1,379 yards, nine touchdowns with a 6.1 yard per carry, had a bunch of receptions, obviously 175 total in, in his years there. Um, so he's a powerful runner. He's just not overly creative or overly burstful, but he's basically a better version of Brian Robinson by all accounts as far as analytics are concerned and, and even tape-wise. Yes, maybe a little bit of a lesser competition, but Kentucky's also in the SEC. They just don't have a strong schedule as Alabama because it's always going to be stacked to get them into that playoff run. But that said, like Chris Rodriguez is no slouch. And I, I think there's obvious injury concerns with Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson being incredibly inefficient, Ron Rivera liking to just switch things up and, and throw any random back into the mix since he hasn't had CMC. I think there's definitely some viability that before his, you know, three year, because it's a shortened later round draft pick, obviously rookie contract is up uh, that Chris Rodriguez sees some run. Chris Rodriguez is uh, comparisons in the Brodo app was not as kind no. Um as a few episodes ago when we mentioned another uh, dynasty stash, PJ Daniels, who uh, Joshua Kelly, Kelly, Chashard choice. Remember him? Uh, Zach Stacy, who um, is a piece of shit in real life. Yep. And Ben Tate. Yeah. Not great comps. That's for sure. And, and you're not going to find great comps from guys that spend that long in college as well and don't like top out in athleticism. But again, neither does Brian Robinson and, and Antonio Gibson has proven to be, you know, nothing but a hype train. So I, I just I think before that rookie contract is up, you're going to see some run from Chris Rodriguez. Uh, Brian Robinson's comparisons, although they are low level, Cam Akers, Trey Mason, Zach Moss, Sony Michelle and Elijah Mitchell. So obviously not a little bit better, but not, you know, not blowing anyone out of the water on that end either all right that does it for the washington commanders to command their next episode i will remember to introduce my two friends here yeah please um, sorry guys uh matt wrote in the private chat oh tim you're flying solo today uh, <laughs> uh all right i'm at bro of tim at psych ff at bro of mike at bro of jason at bro of casanova at Brodo fantasy at ff by brodo um brodo fantasy.com the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, youtube.com slash Brodo Fantasy. Come and join the fun at patreon.com slash Brodo Fantasy. We finish off the NFC East with America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Next, I was going to say America. next week. Tomorrow, next baby. Tomorrow. tomorrow you next. stop this train from running. Next morrow. That's right. That's see you. See you yonder next morrow. Mars. Latest. Son. Latest on the Menji. <laughs> <laughs>